and welcome to episode 306. That's 306 of From Paper to People. My name is Carolyn Neelachlan. I am your hostess with the mostest. And the first thing I want to do today is to welcome our two new Patreon patrons. Constance Shum has joined at the $2 level and Kamai Van Aken has joined at the $5 a month level. Thank you both ladies for joining us. I really appreciate it. Everything that you do and everything that you can give helps me to produce this podcast, to get it out to more places, to get it out more often, and to do all the things that I need to do in terms of reparational genealogy. Today, I'm thinking about, I'm having a little trouble concentrating, and I can't be the only one who is. And I can't just continue to put out family cookbook recipes in the hopes that cooking makes everybody else feel as good as I do, because I think that that's a bit of a cop out. So I want to talk about what it is that I'm doing in genealogy right now to keep myself sane. Frankly, I am doing a lot of housework. I don't normally concern myself with a lot of hyper daily cooking, but I am and I have been. I have been in the house without a respite except well with one respite a friend got me a bag of barbecue potato chips and said that I could come get them she'd leave them on her front porch and I went over to her front porch with a Lysol wipe and I cleaned off the bag put it in my car brought it home and ate the whole thing in one sitting so yes okay I did that about a week and a half ago but other than that I have not left the house since March 12th. And that was when I went to the drugstore to pick up all of my prescriptions. So even though I am home and working on my own most of the time, and even though my lifestyle has not changed all that much, I'm still going a little bit stir crazy. Part of it is because I am worried. I'm in New York. I'm on Long Island. It's not as bad here as it is in New York City by any stretch of the imagination. But that doesn't mean I'm not worried because I'm not just thinking about myself. I'm thinking about a lot of people who don't have what I have. And part of what's helping me is gratitude lists. As lame as that may sound, I'm constantly saying out loud to myself, I'm really fortunate to have, and then I'm filling in the blank. I'm very fortunate. I even have paying clients right now. But paying clients work is only a few hours a week. So what do I do otherwise? Normally, I would be working on my own tree and I would be working on it almost daily. And even more than that, daily, I would be working on trees that belong to people who were lynched. I would be working on reparational trees, not for people who are actual clients of reparational genealogy, but trees that I just picked up on and started working. And I don't have the concentration to do that. Part of the reason is I can't look at the trees for people who've been lynched and look at the horror that they all lived through and deal with that on top of the fear of daily life right now. I just can't do it. And you know, I don't have to. I don't have to. I can take a little time off from that. So I'm finding ways to stay engaged with genealogy, but in a way that doesn't punish my brain. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Something tells me you do. Something tells me you're going through it yourself. So here are a few things that I'm doing right now. 
The first thing that I'm doing, the main thing that I'm doing is I'm cleaning. I'm cleaning my tree and I'm cleaning my tree in a couple of ways. The first way is that I'm going to the generations of people who were born about 100 years ago and I'm going all across my tree and I'm looking at those people and making sure that all their documentation is good. For instance, my grandfather's brother appears, according to Been Verified and other public listings, to still be alive. He's 97 years old. The odds are against that. And there is public record of his wife having died and two of his children having died. But he is still kicking, as far as I know. Now, this is my step-grandfather, so I don't really know this man very well. But I wanted to keep everything current in his family on my tree and keep my uncle posted because it is his blood family because he's my dad's half-brother. And I went on to family search and sure enough, I found that someone had entered my grandfather's brother as being deceased. But no dates, no places, no supporting evidence whatsoever. One of the children who is deceased was listed with a first name only. No other information at all. Nothing. No dates, no places, nothing. Just a name. First name. And even a nickname at that. And that tells me that was probably done by somebody who knows the family, maybe even a relative. But the fact is, it was done really badly. It was done wrong. And when you put information on family search. You can't put people as dead who are alive. I mean, you can't do it anywhere anyway, but you really can't do it in a public use tree where everybody is contributing. You have to have substantiation and documentation for everything. And there's no substantiation or documentation in place for anything. No birthplaces, no birth dates, no death places, no death dates, just names. And that got me mad. So I merged what I could and I contacted Family Search and explained why I needed to have this person who was listed as deceased be flipped over to being listed as alive. And I hope that they'll take care of that. But of course, Family Search is under stress just like every other website. People are working from home and that's not going to happen overnight. So I took care of that, at least. That was one thing. And I'm going to be looking at other people who are in that sort of tipping point generation where they could be alive or they could be deceased. My ex-father-in-law was one that I, I looked up uh, shortly before COVID started, and I was very surprised to find that he had, in fact, died last spring. But he was in his 90s, so that makes sense. So one thing that you can do in terms of hygieneology is to simply look at all of those tipping point people in that generation of people who were born around 1920 and make sure that everything is correct. And if someone has died recently, go ahead and fill that information in and make sure that you've got everything right for those folks. The next thing that I'm doing is I'm digging into the deep, deep, long ago work that I did when I first joined Ancestry. Now I've said it before and I'll say it again. When I first joined Ancestry, I was a sucker. I had the history degree. I had the law degree. I knew how to do the research, right? But I trusted that other people's trees 
were based in good research. I did not understand the adage that I have now come to live by, which is that other people's trees are crap. Very occasionally now, you know that I I will contact somebody and say, hey, I see you have such and so and this piece of information and I don't see any history supporting it. I don't see any documentation for it. Can you tell me why this is in your tree? And if that person has a great reason like, oh, it's in a family Bible, but I just haven't taken a picture of the page or scanned it in yet or something like that. That's great. And I will take that information as fact. Otherwise, I do not believe other people's trees. I just don't. Because people are fantasists. And people are lazy. And people want to do it for fun, you know, but they aren't necessarily married to the truth. And those are all problems. And I'm not blaming people necessarily. I am saying that there are different kinds of users and different kinds of people out there who do some work in genealogy. And a lot of people who are amateurs don't really bother. They just don't. And okay, just don't pollute my tree with that stuff. So when I'm working in Ancestry, I have actually blocked off all other people's trees. That group of records no longer comes up in hints just makes me a lot saner because otherwise I have to keep saying no to it and it just exacerbates my already grumpy nature. So we don't want to go there. What I'm doing is I'm looking at my tree as a whole. I'm looking at the pedigree chart, which is just me, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents, and on and on. And I'm looking at the sections of that tree that I really don't remember having worked on in a while. And I'm digging around And what I'm finding is I attached all of those terrible, terrible record groups that I told you not to use in season one and other people's trees, which are crap. And I'm taking them all out, ripping them all out and all of the quote facts unquote that came with those things. And what I'm finding is I've had a lot of people in my tree who did not belong there because those aren't necessarily real people. There is nothing to support that such a person with such a name descended of these two parents ever even existed. And if I'm not sure about it, I'm simply taking it out. Now, that's the ultimate in hygieneology, right? We're going in and cleaning out and making sure that all we have is people who are documented. Now, there are these groups like the International Marriage Records and the Millennium File, Those things are crap. They're as crap as other people's trees, you guys. I mean, seriously, those things have to go. So I've been ripping those out. And then also there have been new records that have come online. The things that I really like are the pages of genealogies from, in my case, a lot of things do go back to the colonies and and even earlier, of course. And so I look at those pages of colonial history of the USA for a certain state or area. And if I just look at the pages, I can have that open in one tab in Ancestry. And then in another tab, I can be adding all of the names to it. And then I can save that page, that record that is that page from whatever book it was that was scanned. And I could save it to all of those people that I've created. And I created those people because they were listed in a book. Now that book might not be right, but for the moment, it's a starting place. And I'm also working with starting places. Starting places are kind of fun 
because starting places right now, the way that I'm working them, I'm doing what I'm just calling building a scaffold. I don't know if anybody else does this or gives it any credence at all, but it's something that I'm doing in order to give myself a larger sense of history. I've been watching a lot of TV in order to divert myself. And sometimes I have the TV on in the background while I'm working on somebody's tree or on my own. And right now, the thing that I, I've been rewatching <laughs> for the millionth time, it's a show on stars. It's called The White Queen. And The White Queen, I find interesting personally, because if you've seen it, you know that The White Queen is Elizabeth Woodville, who marries Edward IV of England. And her mother is Jaquetta de Luxembourg. And I figured out a while ago that Jaquetta de Luxembourg was my 17th great-grandmother. And that one of Elizabeth's sisters was my 16th great-grandmother. Recently, I decided to just sort of start kicking backwards and building a scaffold. And what I do is I take a known ancestor or ancestress, and in this case it's Anne Arundel, for whom the county in Maryland is named, and she's the wife of the Lord Baltimore. Now, this is American history, and I don't know how much of you care about this, but these are what are called gateway ancestors. These are folks I can prove all the way back to using records, and they've got some kind of noble title. And they take me back across the ocean to England, and they take me into minor royal houses that take me to major royal houses and to kings. And that's a lot of fun. Now, it's a luxury in genealogy to be able to access that kind of information. Fortunately for me, I can. But what do you do when you've got somebody who was born in the, I don't know, the 1500s, and they're royal? How do you you know, even if it's a minor house, how do you know how to get over that? Well, the easiest way that I have found, okay, don't laugh at me. The easiest way that I've found to build a scaffold, which means that I'm putting the names and the dates in according to the source, and I expect to be doing a lot of work to flesh it out. That source, don't laugh, is Wikipedia. Now hear me out. Wikipedia is group sourced, and Wikipedia has a lot of crap in it. But when you get to royal genealogies, more and more people who've actually done some scholarly writing on these people contribute and contribute large chunks or even more than contributing large chunks, they actually write the entire pieces and the pieces are sourced. So I've got a built-in bibliography that I can go to and find out, well, okay, is this really the parent of this person? And I've been, I've been going on and on through this process and I've been taking myself back. And one thing that I found was that I am also a direct descendant of Elizabeth Woodville, who became the queen consort of Edward IV, because she had a first husband, and she had two kids by that first husband, and I am descended of her son, Thomas. So that's kind of groovy, and I was looking up Thomas's family, whose name was Thomas Gray, and I'm looking into the Gray family, and I find, holy cats, when I work on that, I can get all the way back to ancestors who are listed in the Domesday book. Really? Seriously? But that's the evidence that's there, is the Domesday book, okay? That's an accounting of who held land and paid taxes 
way back when. And I'm back to like the 1100s and the 1000s in years. That I find entertaining, but not for the reason you would think. This does not make me a groovier chick than other chicks because I am descended of royalty. Really, 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 really a lot of white and black people are descended of all different kinds of houses of royalty. Latinx people are descended of all different houses of royalty. There's a whole lot of that going on in the United States. All of these identifiable royal houses that have been written about for hundreds of years and thousands of years. I'm not special that way. But what it does is it gives me context so that when I watch something like the Spanish princess or the white queen or the white princess, all of these things that are based around the events of the Wars of the Roses, that time period in British history that it took me a long time to teach myself, because let's face it, we don't learn these things in school here in the United States, that makes it personal for me. So when I watch, although I understand it's a fictionalized account, and actually a lot of that is kind of crap, there are these things that I can pay attention to, like what did they eat? Or where did they go? Who did they know? And the thing that's most important to me, and I think it's something that we can all think about right now, how people try to stay close to power, even though it's detrimental to their minds and their bodies and their souls. And they will do pretty much anything to stay close to power. And I always have found that to be a fascinating truth about human nature. But when I'm looking at it through the eyes of my ancestors and looking at the fact that these families intermarried and intermarried again and again and again, I just find that fascinating. And it's been hundreds and thousands of years, and people still haven't learned that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, and that being around power is going to rot you from the inside out. That's what I'm doing right now. I'd really be interested to hear what it is that you're doing, how it is that you're working on your own genealogy, or if you're not working on your own genealogy, what it is that you're doing with your time that you would have normally spent on working on your own tree. I know there are a lot of professionals out there staying busy, and I'm very glad of it, but not everybody is in that position. And a lot of people who listen to this podcast, I think, are beginners. That seems to me to be the consensus. So you can visit me in a couple of places to let me know what it is that you're doing. Post to me on my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash ancestors live or you can come to the group and join the group that's facebook.com slash groups slash from paper to people or you can come to patreon there's a blog there and you can let me know what it is that you're thinking there and that's patreon.com slash ancestors alive i would love to hear from you i would love to know what's going on if all else fails please do come and visit me at twitter.com slash ancestors alive. I'm on Twitter every day, checking out, seeing what people are doing, complaining, which is my usual thing, but also learning stuff occasionally and always having fun. Please take care of yourself, find ways to detox and to maintain your sanity in a situation that is very frightening for us all. 
Don't watch the news too much. Work on genealogy only when you want to and don't feel guilty. But above all, expect surprises.